Well, somebody said they don't like stand up protagonists because they feel like the characters don't have this lack personality. And then we come in with who plays a game for personality? <laughs> it's like saying who plays like, a game uh, for gameplay or story. the game for like... narratives, which includes personality. Then he, then he comes up with games suck at narratives anyway, especially the ones with sound protagonists. They clearly had other things to focus on. Like, are you retarded? Not all games suck at narratives. You know, they, you call the beauty games, you play in second narrative, but they don't care. Yeah, they did have other things to focus on multiplayer to get your money. Duh. I mean, like, Fire One Three Hills is, is, is a perfect example right now with a sound protagonist, and in my opinion, the, the story's so good. The amazing. You know, could have been better had um, they just voiced the character because he has, he has, yeah, he has, has my character mind. had a voice. Yes, you don't hear him say it. It's annoying. No, and it's not like it's not like you are making your character kind of like um GT well like G- GTA Online or or Monster Hunter or some other game where you straight up major character you literally just pick male That's female right. Right. in this game and you can change the name but but why I felt like they did it I felt like in some game you get to create your character but the but yeah Ghost Recon did it there's other games that did it where you get to kind of create a character. And there's already a female voice for the character. I feel like we'll talk about that in the podcast. I ain't gonna go kill it all now. This is the Beta Testers episode two, the Strong Silent Type remake with Testers Trinity and Nerd UNV and special guest JFK Airport. One thing is from last week. I feel like. We kind of skimp on the intros, you know, just just to give people a little idea of who to deal with or who to listen to. I mean, they'll get to know us over time, but in the beginning, just to give people a kind of a general idea as to who to listen to and if they would feel interested in listening more, if they could relate to us. So I just want to redo our intro, our self introductions, not like a whole biography just a little more fleshed out especially in terms of games because i just i didn't even say what kind of games i really i'm really into i just said what i say i like i guess i like video games you know that's that's kind of general like i could be i could be here playing minecraft or fortnite every day which i don't nothing, nothing against minecraft or fortnite yes those are good games for people who like those games i can't i can't build stuff in minecraft and the whole just outside the building in Minecraft, I don't even know anything about Minecraft, so that's just not for me. But I'll start over again. So, like I said last week, my name is Nerd UNV. Most people just call me Nerd because they don't get the UNV part. But people who do, I like you. Uh, I do love video games. I started playing video games way back on the original Nintendo. But my favorite video games, well, my favorite series to this day will be the Borderlands and the Monster Hunter series, which fortunately and unfortunate for me, both released something a week apart. So now I have to pick and choose which one I want to play each day, which is a curse and a blessing. But I also like Legend of Zelda, well, love Legend of Zelda. Well, I think Nintendo, to be honest, like Fire Emblem, 
Xenoblade, uh, Mario, Legend of Zelda, Pokemon. I mean, who doesn't love Pokemon? Who didn't grow up with Pokemon that doesn't love Pokemon? Uh, what else does Nintendo do? Oh, that new... Ah, I forgot to write down the name of it. That new Nintendo game that's like a work... It's like ReFit. Damn, did you watch the video? Yeah, I mean, I saw that video a while back, but I don't know what... I don't know what the name of the game is. Whatever it is, it's, it's a new Switch game that's kind of like ReFit. I want to get that, because <laughs> that looks pretty cool. It's just a straight-up workout game, mass as an adventure game. That's pretty cool. Um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Battlefield. Not the newer Battlefields. Like, Battlefield 3 is peak Battlefield for me, but I'm still a Battlefield fan. Mass Effect, Dragon Age. I'm still a fan, even though the newer games just ain't working for me. I love RTS games or turn-based strategy games. Uh, if I see an RTS or a turn-based game, I don't care who made it. I'm I'm really interested in it. And lately, I've been getting into Metroidvanias and roguelikes. A lot of indie games. I've been doing that, and I'm really getting into those. Soulsborne. Sorry, nothing, nothing against it. It's just. So many games to play, you know. You got You can't. You can't play everything. And I'm really big into science. I went to school for science, chemistry to be to be exact. But I'm really big into sciences. I love sci-fi, especially reading sci-fi. Not not that space up for stuff like he said last week. <laughs> no, I mean that's that is a big part of sci-fi. But I like space offers too. Not so much Star Wars. I'm not. I like one of the few people who's not a Star Wars or Star Trek fan. And well, I love to read. And yeah. That's that's a more in-depth uh intro about nerd nerd UNV if you don't get the UNV part. Yeah. I'm Trinity Key. And you know, like I said last time, my favorite game series is The Legend of Zelda. I've been playing that since uh, Super Nintendo. And then I had the Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. And played Link's to the pa- A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo and Ocarina of Time. And when that game came out, that was my favorite. And then Majora's Mask. And then Hyrule Princess. That became my favorite, and uh, Skyward Sword, and so as far as like consoles, I played I think every single Legend of Zelda game, and then for portable, I played I played most. Of them. I don't think I've beaten them all, but I've played most of them. That's my favorite game series. I I, I tend to like games where you're able to cr- uh, create and customize your character. So Fantasy Star. That was like one of one of the first games I played. Well, actually, let let me go back a little bit. Morrowind, Elder Scrolls, Morrowind was one of the first games I played where you were able to create and customize a character. Pretty sure that was like on the original Xbox. And Fantasy Star was around the same time, I guess. I guess they they came around the same time for me. And in terms of Elder Scroll games, because I love Elder Scroll games. The Morrowind was my favorite one, and here's why. It's because it was it it wasn't trying too I guess too hard to be more realistic. 
you know there was a lot of, a lot of elements that were in the game that just made it a game you know very fantasy like the ability to wear clothing under your armor or over your armor and then the ability to enchant that clothing you know so then you could have these really cool characters like you could be wearing clothing and have armor underneath it or you could be wearing clothing clothing with your armor over it and have these pieces of armor enchanted with things that helps you out that was really cool the ability to create your own spells i thought that was <laughs> that was really cool although, yeah that was dope i never really ever created a spell that was so good that was that i was also able to use <laughs> you never had <laughs> magic and uh yeah so that's those are the type of games that i really like when it comes to fantasy star online that's more of like an eastern type game uh, love it and i was waiting for this fantasy star online 2 to come to the west and i remember doing research on like sega's website and they kept posting about it on twitter facebook and they kept you know posted in the forums don't worry we didn't forget you and then like seven eight years later it was finally coming <laughs> in terms of, uh, of like turn-based strategy games i prefer rts over turn-based strategy but i like them both something about rts though it's really exciting for me it's like you have to be making all these decisions at the same time. And then you have to pick and choose like what's more important at this, you know, but RT, um, the turn base is cool too. Cause it's kind of like chess, you know, you gotta think like, okay. Yeah. It's especially certain games where they're unforgiven and you know, you get this RPG rolls where you could have like an 80% chance to do something and fail like 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah. XCOM. XCOM, yeah. Uh, maybe like 95 percent chance to hit and miss nine out of ten times you know but anyway the, i like that because you can sit there and you can be like all right if i move my character here i could attack him if it hits it could kill him but then this character could come here and hit him and damage him, and then that one will come and finish him off and you know especially the games where you once your character is dead it's dead like XCOM, or if you play like fire emblem yeah. or classic mode i think you lose your characters for good. Yeah, I like this, but StarCraft, real, real-time strategy, love that. Rise of Nations, you know, Age of Empires, those games, those are like my favorite in terms of real-time strategy and turn-based strategy. So that's just, that's more about like the kind of games that I'm into. I love Monster Hunter. You get to customize your character in that game as well, you know. And I mean, while we talking about customization of characters, might as well get into the whole solid protagonist thing. Yeah, back, back to Fire Emblem. <laughs> In games where you can customize your character, I think it's okay to have a silent protagonist. Because for, for me, I think in most of those games, most of those type of games that I played, the the dialogue does not involve your character often you know they'll say something to your character but they won't ask your character a question you know and then, and then get no answer and keep going it doesn't, it doesn't work like that yeah i mean there's some other games where it gives you like dialogue options when people talk to you but then my question would be why not voice 
the answer, you know, it's two, three options. Why not voice them? But uh, that's just me. Me, I prefer if your game. I feel voice the characters, but you know, it is what it is. Now that I think about it, I feel like that's that's the re- this is kind of the reason why the hand exists in Monsanto World, because she basically is your voice. Every cutscene, like they address you, guy. They address you. But you know she's the one who does the talking for you, and and your character has absolutely no voice when she talks to you, or if you're talking to her, it's more like a nod or a gesture, and like telepathically she knows what you're saying. It's like, okay, part I got it. It's like, I kind of feel which, the way they did that. It, to me, it works because one again, yeah, when they talk, when they're talking to your character, they don't. It's not like they're really talking specifically to your character. They're talking to so like, yeah. both of you, and since the handler. Handler could handle the the answers, right? So that that kind of takes away from the silent protagonist thing because they're kind of like a team. And for me, when I from Monster Hunter, anytime I created my character, I always chose the voice, the voiceover that had the the softest, lowest voice. I could barely hear it. So I always that my character was. Me. Oh, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> so, I made that. I made that mistake once on PSP where I took. I, I didn't pay attention and I accidentally picked the one of those obnoxious anime voices. So every time I try to get hit, I'm like, he takes he takes a hit and he doesn't really grunt. Or, the strong yeah, silent really type. Grunt or really just like you take the hit. It's a little soft. Ah, whatever you know. It's kind of cool. And f- so for me, for Master Hunter, my character was always a mute in my head, right? And so now you're at the hand. Yeah. It's like all right, all your work together for so long. That she she knows she feels you know she understands what you're feeling and thinking you know so you just see little head nods and shaking your head or raising your hand wherever she knows what she's seeing that's how I justify it for Monster Hunter. The, yeah, because like I feel like the, with the with them trying to add more of a story element to it, you know they don't want to take away from you making your hunter. It's it's your hunter. It's not. A hunter that you're playing. It's it's just your hunter. So instead of trying to put a voice to know that you most you probably wouldn't like yes. if if it doesn't. So and then or or getting like five to ten different voice actors yes, for male yeah. and females, yeah, which will be right. overkill. So they're like, you know what? Let's just get a sidekick who 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 busy handles the paperwork for Unisets. You're the strong silent type who goes out there and kicks ass, and then the handler gets herself in trouble and talks for you. Yeah, um... See, and so for games with customization, we customize your character, male, female, and then you can change their colors or their race and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. It makes sense to me, for the most part, to not voice the characters, right? Because, like I said, you might get a voice actor that people don't like, you know? And I'm just, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of voice yeah. actors out there, though, who have that... That, that really, I don't know what how to call it, but it's a voice that it just universally, generally liked. Is like you can hear them talk, and you're not gonna you're not gonna hate it or love it either way. It's just gonna be, oh yeah, that's a good voice. You know, there's, there's there's some of that, yeah. You know, and I think that works in games like Ghost Recon, Wildlands, and Breakpoint, where you do get to customize a character. Not the customization, not super deep, but you get to customize your character, and there's already a male and female voice to those characters, and they're kind of just good enough to go either way. It doesn't matter 
if you created a you know like a Asian or a black or a character or a, or a white man or a, like a like a Hispanic looking female like the, the voices just kind of goes in general for those kind of games it's like games like Ghost Recon the the game shines in other elements outside the you know the your outside of your your character and the, and the story your character kind of tells goes too. so because you think about it, it's like a military shooter so there's a lot of action sequences and so you you get like all the emotions from from those parts and then you know it's not it's not too super heavy on dialogue and when there's dialogue it's usually like whoever tells you what your mission is and then there's a little bit of you know back and forth between you and your team and so it kind of it just works it just works but like yeah certain games we talk about fire emblem 3 with where you don't really get to customize your character beyond are you going to play a male version or female version of it change name to me i feel like those games don't need to have a silent protagonist yeah i understand they want to let the player feel like they embody the character like that character is them and that works in morrowind you know works in uh, elder scrolls games and follow games and, and other games like that but even like fallout what is fallout 4 i'm pretty sure your character is, is voice some voices that fully voice. it could just it just works either way in my opinion and so fire emblem to me they could have just taken a little bit there i mean there's already a voice actor for both male and female versions of the character but just only for the grunts and the few things they say when they level up at that point at that point the little I did it. few dialogue options you have in conversations that your character takes part in they should have just had it voiced, in my opinion. It would have made it, to me. It would have made things move flow for smooth, me, you know, more smoothly. When I started the game, and it's like, it, it really felt like I was gonna make a character. So I was like, okay, here we go, character creation. And then it's like, put a name. You put the name, and then the game starts. I'm like, wait, that's it. Yeah, you choose your day and your birthday. And and you choose if you're male or female. And it's like it's the game starts. I'm like, wait, that's it? So what? 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 I mean, I could understand the birthday playing like a a role, but the only thing the birthday does is you you're um one of the characters who's associated with you, with your character shares the same birthday, and then in game on your birthday, people uh some people might send you gifts in the game. So I couldn't say I put in your birthday, but then like name, what am I putting in a name for? You know, especially when, even though your character doesn't have much of a backstory, your character kind of has a, a, a set backstory. Whereas in, in Morrowind or Skyrim or Fallout, well, not Fallout 4, because Fallout 4 as well, but like, like Morrowind, for example, or Skyrim, your character's backstory is strictly up to you. All all that's known is you got arrested, and that's it. So everything after that is just straight up to you. So I understand making a name in those games, but in Five Emblem Three Houses, what 
what am I making a name for? And then my character doesn't talk unless he levels up. But there's a voice actor for him leveling up. So when people are talking to me now in in um in um, support dialogues, it's like I don't want to listen to it because it's it's someone talking to a brick wall. But when those people are talking to other people in their support dial- um, level ups, I listen to it because it's in- it's engaging. It's two people having a conversation. I don't want to sit here and then someone talks to me and I have two choices and it's not even voiced those two choices. Yeah, see, that's my thing. And then, like, they could have they could have voiced they could have voiced those options, but they could also like if they had just put voices to the characters, you know, when when you're doing those support dialogues or in game dialogues that advance the story and people address the main character that you're playing is you know it you could have it say certain things you know instead of just nodding his head or putting his hand to his chin like you think him you know or his his hand on his chin and nod just that's all he does respond. and then when it comes time for choosing the option all right it'll it'll be a break in the conversation so you choose and when you, whatever you choose they'll voice that you know that's how, if you think uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, that's how their dialogue options go now. So characters already have a male and a female voice, right? So depending on what you're playing. Once it gets to a dialogue, they'll talk, they'll talk, they'll talk. And when it's the time for you to choose an option, you choose, and then your character would, you know, and it's not like a word for word. Like the option might say something, but it's not like a word for word of what the option says. It's just, all right, what they going to talk about when you click that dialogue when you click that option, you know. So I remember one of them was a guy was asking you what unit were you from, like before you you came here and then you get to choose like you were in the Marine Corps, you were Army Ranger, you were Green Beret, you know, all these different special ops and special force uh like options and then whichever one you choose, your character will go into like a little a little back history of where he was before he came there. And that's cool. And they could have done that. They could have done that with yeah, Ryan, that's cool. whatever the name is from Fire Emblem, and it didn't need to be a solid Mutual. protagonist. And then I get to Astral Chains. That's another one. That game just came out like two weeks ago, and here's what here's what has killed me. Again, so in that game, you do get to customize a character, like you know the way it looks, the uh, your hair, your color your male or female, your name. So yeah, it's a little bit deeper customization than Fire Emblem. But here's what does get me with that game. Is you can play a male or a female. And whichever you play, because your character is a twin. So if you play the male, your your female twin is voiced. If you play the female, your male twin is voiced. So that means there's a there's a voice actor for the male and female version of your character. So why is your character silent? That's my question. And the, you know, the, the excuses always come up with. The nah, excuses nah, always nah, you know, they want you to feel like you, you embody your character. You know, you, you could create, but you can't really create your character's personality in those kind of games, especially when the people are dressing you and then you don't respond. <laughs> you know? Yeah. See, creating, like, when you look at the Marwin and the older Fallout games when someone talks to you you had like two to maybe eight different dialogue choices 
sometimes it'll be based off your intelligence, your strength, your charisma, you know, stuff like that. So you, you, as the game progresses, you're building your characters, you're, you're building your character. But in these games now, where it's two choices, it's, it's like yes or no, basically. Yeah, when there's only... You're not really building your character, you're just following the story. Right. And then when, when not... they give you silent dialogue options in a fully voiced game set for your the protagonist, you can't, you know, the whole, oh, they want you to embody the character doesn't work because when some somebody asks or addresses you and then you only have one or two options like in in Morrowind and Oblivion your character doesn't have doesn't have a voice but when you in dialogue you do have dialogue options so everybody else talk but in dialogues you have dialogue options at least there I, I could say I'm building my character's uh, personality but I have these options of what I gonna to say to this person, you know? And usually, I think in back in those old games, it used to be like four. It used to be like something, like evil, good, like a neutral, truly, or something like that, you know? Yeah. So you would have different things you could say. Like you could respond real rude, or you could respond real nice, you know? And then there's like two other options, and they could go either way. I think um, was that uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, basically. They had it like that, and and you could kind of like tell which response was which. You know, I think it was like a fist, and you know, different symbols to represent the different type of response to wherever they ask you. So, in my opinion, silent protagonists they should do it less than often. You know, they shouldn't do they shouldn't do it more. Especially when they try to tell you, we want you. Well, no. No, that's not what I was saying. If if the game doesn't seem like it needs it, it doesn't need it. Like Fire Emblem, I feel like definitely. I should have just been playing. I should have been playing that that character, yeah. not as a matter. Try to tell me I'm. It's, yeah, it, should, it shouldn't have been a silent protagonist, and it's not really customization. We didn't even need to create a name, to be honest. Yeah. The I mean the character already. Like has. I have no problem playing. There's so many games where you play a specific character, you know. I have no problem playing and it a character be, not named what I want to name my character. If you just played that character and that character had, you know, was voiced. Because then within, you still have you still have a little bit of freedom within the game, like in terms of who you level up for support and and then, you know, who who you choose to pursue the, the S rank support relationship with you know um but but like for me i don't even want to i don't even care for it with my character because i have no like i i just feel like he he's an op being that just exists in my group you know he doesn't like i like i like everyone else pretty much everyone else in my class except for leone i she's she's I, another I story silent protagonist so the whole argument of they want you to feel like your character is just, you don't get to feel like your character sometimes Anything. like the way they do it in these games because your character just has zero personality and you can't give it a personality because like how am i going to give it a personality i don't i don't really have any like, options people talk to me and i don't get to respond or if they talk to me and i get to respond i only have two options but it's not voiced and so if it's not going to be voiced, it should give you more, much more options, and then the people respond to it differently. Yeah, 
like, uh, you know, spoiler alert for people who, who are offended by spoilers. I don't know how spoilers affect you, but spoiler alert, you know, there's a part in, the, in, in Fireball 3 Houses where something drastic happens where someone pretty much loses their life, right? And when it happened, I'm just sitting here like, I felt sad for that person, but I didn't feel sad for that person in relation to my character, you know? Like, I wasn't feeling it as if, oh, man, like, let's say it's my mom. Oh, man, my mom just died. You know, I wasn't feeling like my character's mom just died. I just felt like, oh, man, this cool character just died, you know? Because I had no connection to my character because he's just this, this mute who stands there, puts his hand on his chin, nods. I'm pretty sure if he had glasses, he'd do the little anime glasses push-up. So all he, he, I have no connection to him. I don't, I don't care for him. Not that I don't like the game. I just don't care for him. The only silent protagonist that I can think of right now that I really like is Link, and not because I could kind of, you know, embody embody Link and make Link, you know, I could be Link and and you know give him a personality. No, Link silent protagonist with an established personality the thing is you don't get any dialogue options with link and well in the old games i can't remember if breath of the wild does i'm not sure i can't remember i haven't played in a while but i know in the older ones you didn't get any dialogue options and for the most part when people spoke to link they just spoke to him they told him things they didn't ask him questions you know and like he, when he had the in Ocarina of Time, he had the fairy, and she would tell him things and speak to him. When people said things to him, she would come out and, you know, reiterate or tell him what he should be doing or where he should go, stuff like that. That something about Link, just in general, is cool. And the way it comes through is in like, well, like at Ocarina of Time and Hyrule Hi- Princess, where this cut scenes. You know, he, you get to see, like, what Link would do in certain situations, and that, that makes him cool. Another... To me. That, the, link that another silent protagonist that I'm pretty sure I like, and a lot of people probably like, if they play the, if they play the series, is um, Claude from GTA 3. Now, the thing with him is... I, 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 it just worked, right? It really just worked. And after after him, Rockstar voiced all their protagonists afterwards. San Andreas was a was voice, Liberty City was voice, Vice City was voice. Uh, actually no, I think the one on PS one of them on PS the ones on PSP maybe weren't voiced. I don't remember. I don't think they were voiced. Mm, maybe. Pretty sure well maybe Vice City was, but I'm, I don't think the guy from Liberty City was voiced. I can't remember. I played. I played too much of that the multiplayer for that. Then this, after I beat the stories, so I can't remember. Maybe I'm just thinking about it. Yeah, because you But either way, like Claude in GTA Three worked, and then after GTA Three, you know, Rockstar played on it that this guy was a mute. <laughs> they brought him back in San Andreas, and people responded to him being a a stupid mute, <laughs> in a sense, but. Just... But the thing about, thing about GTA 3 protagonists was 
everybody acknowledged that this guy didn't talk. So, yeah, he was a silent protagonist, but it was like, since it was acknowledged by people within the game, it kind of, you know, yeah, he was like, just mute. In a sense, he was a perfect hitman. He was, he was quiet. He just got the job done. He didn't, he didn't talk. He didn't ask any questions. So, if you hire someone to commit crimes for you, they don't ask questions. You're happy, you know. There's less information to get out there. So, so he was he was perfect for for GTA Three. No, now you got now you have um, yeah. Like if let's put let's say you put what's his name CJ in GTA Three, and then they to tell him to go do this. He's like he started asking questions. Like yo, you asked a little too many questions. I don't like that. That guy, he he's he's quiet. I'm I'm gonna go with him. Not that's you know, not, not that there's anything wrong with CJ. He he just wouldn't fit in GTA Three. He belongs in San Andreas, which they should remake. Yeah, San Andreas. I thought I was not speaking about that. Uh, I thought the Grand Theft Auto Five. You know, since you're playing, well, yeah, but three characters yeah. to play as in the story and for some reason i thought five was going to be like an improved version of of san andreas because i don't know if this is true but i i think the general consensus of san andreas yep. is one of the better ones because of all the things that you could do besides the story you know running around getting get fat. Sand, eating food getting fat, go to the gym you know, get buff you know all that stuff go to, yeah, go to the gym get full like and then they took out in Grand Theft Auto 4 when you're playing Nico Bellic. And something about Nico, I just didn't I just didn't vibe with Nico. He was cool, but it just wasn't feeling Nico. And then uh then you had GTA 5 and you had three different characters and they were all cool in their own way, you know? Like you had the crazy Simon, I think it was it was, and then you had I can't remember the what the other white dude's name is yeah. Mike, I think, or something like that. And <laughs> and then the black dude, I don't even remember his name either. Cause most it was of the time, I'm playing. Damn, Grant the photo. Yo, seriously, man. <laughs> but but it's, it felt like the game was set up to to have some of those elements because like you could see into certain shops and and things, but you couldn't get into them. And I was like, oh, maybe at some point they're gonna open up these doors and, and allow you to do things within it, you know? Like like how they just opened up the casino for GTA Online. I was thinking, you know, at some point, they're going to be like, all right, you could go to the gym, make your character swole, or, you know, run around and ride bikes and stuff and get your character lean, or open, go into these restaurants and eat food and get fat. <laughs> I, I don't know, just simple things like that, kind of cool. You know, you don't have to overdo it. I feel like... But like things like that. Uh, some people might like um, four more than Sandrius, but I think those are people who who like a, a more of a serious tune. Yeah, but wait, most wait. Of was, I, I feel like Sandrius is like Sandrius is peak Grand Theft Auto, and if they remake Sandrius, I will buy it. Like if they remake four, not not no, I'll say like in the future if they remake four, I wouldn't I wouldn't go on my way to get it. But if they remake San Andreas, maybe even three, I will, I will yeah, definitely use a remake. Yeah, instantly. We could definitely use a remake. But as a, you know, if we talk about remakes, I feel like we're in an age now where everybody want to remake and remaster everything. But not everything needs a remake and a remaster. You know, they have to. To yeah. me, 
all right, let's say if it felt like um like a game was was good, but it should have done better than it did at the time it came out. Let's make up a example. For instance, <clears throat> let's say all right, let's say Final Fantasy VIII is getting a remaster now. But let's say Final Fantasy VIII, let's say people, you know, people loved Final Fantasy Seven, and they get to eight, and it was still it was still great, but they expected more from it. Like, why, why didn't it do yeah. better than it did? Maybe it did better than Seven, but why didn't it do better than? Because we expected it to do way better. All right, remake it now. Now you had the technology, you know, you could get the graphics in there, get the characters look how you want them. You could get the gameplay elements that maybe you couldn't get back then, and then you bring that game back out and say, all right, this is re- this is really what we wanted for Final Fantasy VIII. To me, that's what I feel like what's, what's happening with Seven. Like, yes, people are skeptical. I'm still skeptical because of how long it's been taken, but I'd rather it take longer than they rush it out and then they remake something that was already iconic and then kind of sully the name. Final Fantasy VII right now, like from what we've seen and what we're starting to see as it gets closer for it coming out, it looks like, oh, man, you, you go, I'm... Like me being Final Fantasy Seven being my favorite of all of them, like the most, the one that's giving me the most feeling of nostalgia. And damn, I can't wait when that game comes out. It feels like it's gonna be like from what I've seen so far, it's gonna it's gonna gonna be a like a whole new game. It's gonna give me that feeling all over again. Like wow, I, I feel like for this. this is what I want. Final Fantasy Seven re remake. What what exactly are they calling it? It's not a remaster. Yeah, definitely yeah, not a remaster. Alright, so all right, all right. The Final Fantasy VII remake from especially that that like that game face trailer they showed from from Tokyo Game Show. Oh man, this game looks like you know they they're like okay back when we released Final Fantasy VII we were limited by our our knowledge and the technology we had, you know, and after all these years of making games. And where technology is at now, we feel like we could we could retell this we could tell this story over but better. You know, it's like it's kind of like it's like Final Fantasy Seven going from a book to to a full on Game of Thrones season one through six game. (laughs) If you get what I'm saying, like they take they took the books, it was great, perfect to becoming an actual novel series. Like the they didn't just they didn't just take their game and like okay we could milk because our game was beloved we could milk people and just improve the visuals and put it out in twenty nineteen twenty twenty and people will buy it you know I'm not gonna lie if they had just visually improved the game and kept it turn based I would buy it because I love Final Fantasy Seven but the fact that they like now we feel like we could we could make this you know better in every aspect in, in terms of combat storytelling because now cloud is not i i assume cloud's not going to be immune no, he has a voice i mean you hear him in the trailer yeah right exactly so back in Final Fantasy 7 he pretty much i mean he was well, he was just emo he wasn't like he's just trying to be cool so he's oh don't talk to me kind of a thing like uh, I just talk. The strong, I think I think Barry did say that to him at one point. Oh you're the strong silent type, eh? Or, or yeah, something like that. that thing to anybody. But, like, oh, I'm cool. I don't know y'all, I just came here to do my thing, kind of a but 
see the the Final Fantasy Seven remake, like in terms of all the remakes that have been happening. Oh, also the Link's Awakening remake. That's another good uh, example of a, a remake. The Link's Awakening remake is like, they, they literally went inch for inch and kept everything the same, but the art style. And, see, and, and that, the that, art style looks really that, amazing. I could use a remake. Like, we talking, that was Game Boy. That was the original Game Boy days, and Game Boy had a green screen kind of. Yeah. You know, it was like, if you're coming from something that far back and you're bringing it into this age, yeah. Now, Final Fantasy Seven. In the, like in the 1990s, I can't remember, probably like 1998 or something, right? That it came out. I don't remember. To me, it was already in 3D. So did it, did it need a remake? <laughs> Does any game in that ever really need a remake? No. But if you're going to remake it, you don't just want to, they don't want to just be a visual remake. And so when, when they were first talking about, oh, it's not just going to be a, you know, a static turn base where they just stand still and attack. They they going they going to change the gameplay a little bit, you know. I was excited for that. Not that I don't like turn based and where they just stand there. Yeah, that was cool, but to me, it's like a reality technology. You no, know, there's a way to get you more engaged within, even if it's still turn based. You know, there's a way to get you more engaged, or at least while you're waiting to make it more interesting. So I would, for some reason, yeah. like if I was thinking Grandia. I played on the Dreamcast. I can't remember which one. There's a couple Grandias. I think it was the first one. The way that, was, that one was turn-based, but the way they did it was like, as your character, as your character moves, like if you you attack wherever, your character will attack the enemy, and then when he's done, he'll run away. And so it's like these people in the in the fight was always like kind of moving and stuff. It, it just so it looked cool. It was like everybody was just standing still, wait till attack boom, attack, and then go back to where they were standing. It was like, oh, attack us and then move somewhere else, you know, just run around. It was kind of cool. And I saw in my head they were going to do something like that. Like, you're not just going to be standing there. Maybe your characters will be engaged in, like, cinematic animations while while you're waiting to attack, like, or blocking and, you know, just the generic or clanking of these swords and stuff, taking cover, shooting with Parrot and, and uh, Vincent, you know, maybe sit with his lances over there like f- fighting people and then when it's your turn all right you'll hit you'll choose the attack they'll do the attack and the enemy will finally take damage that's what i was thinking but the way that they have it going looks really engaging too i think i think square enix is really is really smart on what they remake and what they remaster like they're also remastering trials of mana uh, yeah, i don't know again. How many people would have played the originals way back in 90, 93, 95? But like, when you look at the the new visuals and gameplay for the Charles Man that's coming out in twenty twenty, like that, that's a that's a, that's a remake. You know, it's like when you say remake, that's what I expect. If you're just going to upgrade visuals, just say remaster. Even even if it's an overhaul of the graphics, you know, just say just say remaster. I, I'm all for I'm all for remakes and remasters of um of games that I'll I'll say like a generation of gamers didn't really get to experience. It's like it's kinda like before the time. Like Final Fantasy Seven is is a is one of those games like if you're a gamer I say you should at least give it a try. You know, you can get Final Fantasy Seven on pretty much every system, the original. But unfortunately we're in that, that era where 
graphics are are king, you know. People look at Final Fantasy VII, kids now look at Final Fantasy VII and it's like, oh, this is, it's understandable. this is hideous. <laughs> I mean, that's just called what it is. They spoiled. They they grew up in this age where things look good, just from the get go. Yeah. I mean, these days it's hard to name a game that doesn't look good. It might be it might be easier for people who only you know you know in these past generation played games that looked good. It might be easier for them to say, "Oh, that game ugly" compared to this one. But coming from where we come from, where you know, everything was two D, and then you get into three D, and they were all polygons and Hell, we even we even played text-based games. Improved a little bit more, but but to me, it really wasn't an improvement. It was less polygonal, but it was more pixelated. And if you if you look at Final Fantasy VIII, that's a good example to me. Eight, to yeah. Me. All right, perfect seven years was polygons. They didn't really look like, you know, it looked like little action Legos and stuff, action figures. And then you get eight. They look more like people, but were pixelated, hardcore. To me, seven had better graphics, but. Some looks it's better, yeah. Honest, Some looks better than Hanzo. Graphics overall, textures and you know the scenery and all that, but now they remaster it. Woo, that game. Well, the, the, with with the way Seven looked, just the way Seven looked, it was easier. To, it was easier for you to go back and play and not be like, ugh, you know. But the way it looked, when you go back, it's like. Yeah, what the hell is this? The, it was like the main <laughs> protagonist's face. There's a side by side picture of it. <laughs> there's, a, there's a meme out there, I think. Yeah. Uh, one of the Rhinoa, I think it was, was saying something. I think at the ball was saying he was like Rhinoa. the best looking guy I'm... there, and it, they had the side by side of the original and the remaster. The original, his face so pixelated and scrunched up, he looked hideous. But he's the most you're like really that's the best and he looks amazing (laughs) so it's like all right this works (laughs) yeah there's certain things i think if it's if it's old enough where all right it it was like let's say it was a 2d game before and now you bring it into the 3d realm yeah i say go ahead remake but if it's just if it's just only graphics then i say remaster but usually if you're going from 2d to 3d you're gonna have to change the (laughs) gameplay a little bit so yeah it, in my opinion, if it's just graphics, it has to be. If it's just graphics, it has to be a game that, like you, you, you. A lot of people would say a generation of gamers didn't get to experience and is worth them experiencing. Because I don't want like a lot of these companies probably are just gonna like. I'll call it the all right. The remasters are doing good. Let's just let's just start let's just start remastering our our collection. Yeah, like, no, we don't. Some of your games you don't want to play again, <laughs> you know. Just just because you put some new graphics on it, like, um, let's take. I think. I think they re-released Shen. They re-released or are re-releasing Shenmue One and Two when Shenmue Three comes out. You know that's yeah. I feel like you know just giving it a little overhaul so people who didn't play One and Two could play One and Two, and then jump into Three. Because, again, a lot of people unfortunately put so much stake onto graphics when well, they I mean, consider a game. It's like, I'll take one example. Because in terms of technology, what's, what's improved the quickest is things that let you process the graphics better and, and, and handle that performance that comes with the graphics increase. So, yeah, so that, that improves every two weeks. Like, one example I always use is is Technomancer versus 
Mass Effect Andromeda. I don't think they came about the same exact time, but they their their release dates were pretty close by where you know I could I, I would use this I would use this argument. Like Tekamasa didn't look as good as Mass Effect three. Not Andromeda three. I think Tekamasa looked pretty almost as good, if not just as good. I think it was just the way yeah. like they moved that was off. Well, I mean, I mean, all right, all right let me rephrase yeah. it. Tectomasa wasn't as polished as Mass Effect. And when when you look at the trailer when it when it was first coming out, a lot of people, a lot of comments were like, I'll wait for this to go on sale. This looks decent, but, you know, the graphics or the controls. And yeah, I understand controls could really make or break a game, but the controls weren't yeah. game-breaking. It lacked a little polish, but it wasn't game-breaking. Now, in my opinion, Technomancer was better than Mass Effect Andromeda. But, but which one? Which one had more money to make Andromeda? Which one? Which one more people bought Andromeda? That's the thing. If it, which if one it more people complain about like Andromeda? Side by side, you, you, in my opinion, you have to say Technomancer was better because the budget, the budget to what better was choice. Made, you know what was put out, you know less money and. Yeah, sure. The game that has the, the game that has polished as one of the studios with a lot of money, but the game was good for for the money they had, I guess. Because uh, I'm, I'm assuming if they had the money that it might was be, put it was into more Mass quality. Effect, it would have been a better game than Mass Effect. That Mass Effect did with all that money that it had. Yeah, in my opinion, and I, I, this is from someone who. Loves Mass Effect One and Two. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna say. I'm not saying I hate Three, but I love One and Two, like Dragon Age in Origins, uh, Mass Effect One, and Mass No Mass Effect One, Dragon Age Origins, and Mass Effect Two. Those are like my three favorite games from that studio. But Technomancer for me is better than Mass Effect Three and Andromeda. It, it wasn't as polished, but the quality. For for the budget they had, and for the enjoyment I got the game, it to me it it was just it's a game well, that I feel like a lot of people slept on. Because I only played Mass Effect One, and I played well, I played Mass Effect One all the way through. I played Mass Effect Two, I think most of the way through. I don't think I I can't remember if I completed it. The thing is, I heard Mass Effect like people loved Mass Effect Three until. People started seeing the end, so a couple of days after it came out, and oh, that's the end, and oh, all of our choices mean nothing. Blah blah. blah. I think if they remake that game and actually put a a, a, you know, a meaningful ending to it, where all your choices from the other two games actually had an had an effect, people would bring that game into the the realm of oh, this is one of the one of the good Mass Effect games. Because as far as I know, as far as I heard, I'm pretty sure people were only, the only reason people didn't really like that game was all that work, all that build up, and then terrible. Yeah, I think it was... For, not, for one end, it was one, like one I think it was two endings, endings that, but pretty much for either, way, the, either way it ended, everything you did meant nothing. Something like that. And that, yeah, that's been a, 
Yes, he's that's a game. That's Mass Effect right. games where oh, a lot of character nothing. building and story building and, and world building. Like you're you're building your character, your your crew's story and the world story with your choices. Like all your choices are building they're shaping the world. And then you get you get to like season eight of Game of Thrones and then it's just like, Well, this is what we're doing. No matter what you no matter what you chose, this is what we're doing. And that's yeah, it. And it's like, yeah, everything that you're doing, all that build up, all these different choices that you thought was gonna have, you know, impact on the way things end. Doesn't matter. You could have just went straight through the middle, and you would still end up right here. Yeah. So, so a game like that, I say, yeah, that that could garner a remake to like change the ending and say this is the true. This is the true ending. This is what it was supposed to be. And it's not like we're we're complaining about these games. You know, these are games that we like and 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 love. It's just it's just things that we feel these games could change that will push them to like the top tier of unforgettable games. Like it, like most reviews will give a five star, one to five stars, or one to ten, or one to a hundred. Which is pretty much the same. It's the same system, just different ways of saying it. But like for me, there's there's really probably like at most five games in the history, my history of playing games that I would give a perfect ten, and then every, everything else that I love falls in like a four to four point nine. And for for some of these games, like. Mass Effect Three, they're just lacking a little bit. That'll push them into that four to four point nine for me. It's not. It's not gonna hit a ten. It's just like you. You have to be. You have to put on something like Nintendo does with, with Breath of the Wild, to to fall into ten. Or or don't don't like one game that went up against Breath of the Wild in terms of release date was Horizon Zero Dawn. For me. That game is a perfect ten. Like that's one of the few games, one of the few story games that I sat there and played start to end, did everything in it a hundred percent. That game, I don't hundred percent games, but Horizon Zero Dawn just flowed so perfectly that I I did it. I mostly don't hundred percent games, but for me, the Legend of Zelda games are hundred percent. But um, my thing is, if I'm being super critical about any game, I probably won't give any game a 10 out of 10. And not just to be like, oh, nothing could be perfect. I mean, I, I could give games 10 out of 10, and I do. But the, the way I go about giving a game 10 out of 10 is how the game makes me feel. So Legend of Zelda games, just, I just enjoy them. So And there's, there's always things that are wrong or things I wish that they did instead. So yeah. if I was being super critical, it, it wouldn't be perfect. But to me, since it, it, that game gives me a certain feeling, I give it a ten out of ten. Like, <clears throat> like Monster Hunter World right now, and the original Monster Hunter, I will give those games ten out of ten because those are games that, oh man, I just it made me want to play Socom Two, uh, the original Ghost Recon. Um, I mean, this just a, oh Tales of Symphonia One and Two, something about. That game, and that's what got me into the series, like loving those Tales games. There's something about those games. Yeah, there's things that could have done better. There's always things that could be done better, but 
that's if I'm being super critical, I could point all the different things out, but because playing the game gave me a certain feeling, 10 out of 10 for me. I, I try to think of what really would follow my 10 out of 10. Like, I think a lot of a lot of games. I mean, not 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 to say it's it's gonna be nostalgia blinder because for, for me these games definitely aren't nostalgia blinder. Like the like you said, the original Monster on PS2. That for me is a ten out of ten. Like that that literally solidified Monster Hunter as one of my two favorite franchises to this day. Like everything Monster Hunter is, I'm 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 all for it. Um. Final Fantasy 7 and 8 and 12. I'll put those there for three different reasons. 7 and 12. 7 really, seven really opened the doors for me for, for Final Fantasy. And, you know, not, not to be... I know a lot of people be like, oh, you should you should start like 1 or whatever, you know. I just didn't have access to it, you know. I so on- seven, was, 7 was really when I had access to... To Final Fantasies, okay, like I whenever Adventure and and Legends, I had on the Game Boy. I remember going by my friend's Victor's house, and he had he had pretty much every game. But I was watching him play Final Fantasy Seven. I'm like, yo, I need this game. I need it in my life. Like, I think that was probably the first. Yeah, it was probably the first turn-based RPG I played, and and ever since then. I love turn-based RPGs because of Final Fantasy VII, and then Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, I don't know if it was it was just a it was just a perfect time in my life. It was just that whole emo angst of of Squall that I preferred to the the emoness of of Cloud. It's like the story of eight just resonated more with me than the story of seven. That's a, that's another thing that I'm kind of glad that they're doing this remake because. I felt like Cloud. There was more. There was more there that they just didn't get it out. Cause when <clears throat> when someone was done, they did um Advent Children movie, and you you saw a little bit more of Cloud. And I was like, yo, I wish we get to experience Final Fantasy Seven like this. The style of this movie. I know we're getting a video game, and they they're gonna look pretty close to like what they look like in the movies, but and even better even. And we yeah. get to hear and see more of Cloud, and so and and not just Cloud too, like some of the characters who oh yeah, kind of characters we didn't really get to the Avalanche characters who kind of you just yeah. just met them, big, but you learn more about them in in the the movies and stuff. And I kind of I kind of right. it kind of I'm kind of nervous for that too because Biggs, Red, and them you didn't really to a small part in the beginning of the game and. You didn't really, I mean, you felt sad for them, but you didn't really know them, so you don't feel like so sad for them. But I feel like they should have loaded them in that new trailer. Yeah, so and I think in this remake, though, since they're focusing more on the beginning of that Final Fantasy VII story, that we're going to see so much more of these characters. We're going to grow to like them, and spoiler alert, they pass away. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so you're going to grow to like these characters, and when they die, it's going to hit even harder. Exactly. I mean, and Final Fantasy VII, you could break it down into... You could, you could separate Final Fantasy VII into multiple sections that could be expanded. You know, like, 
it might, I'm not sure how how long this first one's gonna be. If it's gonna be the whole Midgar, pretty sure. I hope it ends. I'm pretty sure. I hope it ends in um that tongue that you go to Neb Neb no 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 whatever tongue yeah, whatever tongue you go to to tell that story. The tongue that you get like, right after you leave. Yeah, and you tell that story. Like I hope it ends there. So I think that's when the second one comes out. Like, I don't have and when you escape or leave Midgar. So I don't have to start the second game telling that story because that's one part that because back when I had Final Fantasy VII, I had a, a a not a bootleg a a knockoff memory card. So my save files would corrupt so much I that I did the beginning. Like I did Midgar over so many times. Like I know I knew Midgar by heart. Like I knew where all the hidden stuff were. I knew how to get the the best outfits with Claude and Eric to save Tifa and you all that. And if I know this is spoiling anything for anyone, well, gosh, feel sorry for you. So just do a spoiler alert at the beginning of like, you know, there's going to be spoilers yeah. and then you'll see spoiler alert. You know, I want to I talk about this, this spoiler and spoiler alert thing one day because I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to say anything. I, I like, really how, how can I spoil something for you? Especially if you don't know me, you know? Like, if I say something and I say that's what happened, it's spoiled for you, but what if I lied? Right? Either way, you like, didn't experience it, so you don't know what I said is true. And you could, you could even say this. When somebody retells a story to you, they don't tell every single detail. There's things missing, so you don't experience it as it happens. So it's not a spoiler for you. Go and experience the story. Yes, you might. Well, somebody might have told you something that, oh, you already know what's going to happen, but you, you just put that to the side. You, it might happen. It might not happen. You can't just be sitting there in anticipation of, oh, yeah, he said it's going to happen and wait for it to happen. Just watch it for what it is or read it or whatever. Experience it for what it is. It's like one of the big spoiler, one of the big um, spoiler jokes was like, I think it was Dumbledore dies. In, in that universe that he exists in, if you don't know who Dumbledore is and whatever, but Dumbledore dies, you know, it's like, okay. So if someone comes up to you, a big fan of that universe and says Dumbledore dies before you even got up to it in the books or the movies, and you're like, oh, you just spoiled it for me. How, how does he die? What leads up to his death? What happens after his death? How, how is it spoiled? Like yeah. Unless they go through point by point, play by play, word for word, lead everything up until the point he dies and after. How did I spoil it for you? And then and then at that point, I didn't spoil it for you. I just I just gave you the exact same story. So you, you just experienced the story. Yeah. And then on that note too, it's like when people cry spoiler alert or spoiler for stuff that existed. For years, like yeah, that's a that's a personal problem. That's the game of Game of Thrones, right? The Game of Thrones books have been out well before the the shows past the books, but Game of Thrones books have been out for ages. So if someone like the Red Wedding, if someone spoils the Red Wedding for you, it's like, well, the book's been out, so it's not my fault you don't read, you know, or the Harry Potter books have been out before the movies, so stuff. If if this like, I listen to the to this podcast or not podcast um, the morning show and they were they were talking about some new movie and they said spoiler spoiler alert but the thing is it's not a new movie it's a remake oh it's lion king 
they're talking about Lion King. And it's like, you do know that Lion King is like a thousand years old, right? I mean, maybe the thing is, you <laughs> never heard of these things. How, how does it spoil it for you? You know, I feel like this is that's just another microculture of, you know, that's part of fake outrage. That's another microculture right there. Spoiler: the people upset about sports because I could come and start talking about literally anything. If some if somebody within that group never heard of it, never seen it, never played it, never listened to it, whatever, hear it, and then you say, "Oh, this is what happens," they're gonna say a oh, spoiler alert. I could it could be something that I just made up. How's that spoil? You see, you just it's a fake outrage. Yeah. You're not really upset about somebody seeing what happens. That's like um, Monster Hunter World. Before the game came out, people were were ex- extremely excited to get more information. Like Capcom was releasing stuff on new monsters and stuff, but people wanted more. Like you just couldn't get enough. People wanted to know what monsters were in the game. Want to see what their gear looks like, what their weapon looks like. So you have people who got the game early and were like just like giving little bits of spoilers. And then people will go on on Reddit or whatever social media they're posting these spoilers on. You would see the title, the title would be like Monster Hunter World's Final Boss. They'll click on it, see it, hit uh reply. Spoiler. It's not like people um you clicked on it. Clickbait and and beating people into into conversation and stuff to to then tell them something that they don't know and ruin it for them. No, usually yeah, we talk about if I'm talking about Game of Thrones, we talk about Game of Thrones. I'm talking about people that I know, and and if I if it comes up, it comes up. But that's part of talking about it. You know, it's not like I say, all right, this is a group for. Harry Potter, and then somebody gets there, and then I spoil Game of Thrones. Quote unquote, spoil Game of Thrones for you, and you're upset. People don't do that. And another thing I don't like about, about this whole spoiler culture is like a Game of Thrones shows Sunday night, and then you're telling me I can't talk it's about like it me. Monday morning? Can't even talk about nah, it. No, man, we just. Three weeks. You, 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 you disappear. Let, let, us, let us people who, who watch it. Talk about it, and you you find your way out out of out of this conversation. Don't don't try to police people for watching stuff live when everything for you is on a backlog. You know, like all you have all your games on a backlog, so anywhere you go is a spoiler. You have all your movies and your shows on a backlog, so you're always playing catch up. So now, when you want to talk about it, we're already onto something else. That's not our fault. That's your fault. I understand that everybody different, but. Spoilers don't affect me. As a matter of fact, I want people to tell me what happens. And so I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, I can't wait to... For me, is I can't wait to experience that it, for it, myself, it has to be you know? You're like, oh, so-and-so dies? Oh, I can't wait to, to see how it goes down, you know? Yeah, you told me how it goes down, but I want to see it, or I want to hear it. You know, I want to experience it myself. Like, another thing was... That was probably the best part of Game of Thrones last season, you know, like all these, all these yeah, theories and, and, and most of them, most some of them were saying spoilers, but like all these theories, like, oh, oh, um, the dragon gets shut down. You're like, that's what? Another, How? Like, that's another, you know, you're like, you know, saying like, oh, spoiler. <laughs> we'll talk about that in another one, but the whole, um, where people is, they watch or read something and then they come up with their own fun the theories. Fan 
right? They come up with their own theories as oh, yeah. the way the way these things happening, it could be this, it, it could be that, right? And then when the creators of these things go a different route, suddenly, oh, that's stupid. It's, you ruin the whole thing. How did how did you ruin it? You like you liked it up until the point you created your own theory, and then because the author or the creator of this thing didn't have the same thinking as you or had a whole different thing planned out, suddenly it's trash and they, that was dumb that they did that. No, I don't believe that. It's a fake outrage. We have too many microcultures. That, and I call them microcultures because it's like it's a split off of one big thing. And these people... The cloud cloud. Cloud. It's just yeah, fragments it's of the cloud. Of the cloud. cloud, cloud. <laughs> but yo... Getting over to be that time, so we gotta wrap that up. Yeah, well, yeah. So we we could, yeah. Well, I want to talk about Masato Worlds, but we could do we could do that next week. Yeah, you know? Masato Worlds not going anywhere. Time for months. That and that, oh, uh, some Borderlands three. Maybe I mean we, we kind of did go into Five Nights Seven a bit, but we probably could go into. To that a little bit more, especially with that new, uh, that new trailer, man. About the original, like, one spoiler alert. I started, and, and then some, you know, what we know about this remake <laughs> trailer hyped me up even more. And I've been waiting, you know what, for Final Fantasy Seven ever since I've played it. I've been always saying to myself, I wish they would remake it with better graphics. And that was before, like, graphics these days. Like, these days, these developers, man, I tell you. They put in work when they're making their games. Yeah, sure, not every game's good. And sometimes it's like you, you could tell that it was more of a focus for making money than making a good game. But in terms of graphics, in terms yeah. of things like that, they just put their time in. Even even Mass Effect Andromeda with the wonky animations. That was just right there. That was laziness. That was rush. That was yeah, probably a whole number of things. Because to me, if if some if you make a game, somebody should play through it. Because it looked like that wasn't like a one-off thing. That was that was just something that was happening. So if somebody play, then you know, like quality assurance, you play it through the game, you test it. If you saw that, you should have never released that. Well, see, to be fair, the quality assurance dude is um Creed Bratton. He doesn't even know he's called using Qua Qua Kwame Asquarts. Yeah, that's that's pretty much. More, a lot of years call your insurance guys, so I mean, stuff falls through the cracks. cracks <laughs> but these days, it should be falling through less likely, especially when games like all right, I go, I'm gonna get, I decided I'm gonna get Ghost Recon Breakpoint. But when that game come out, if I see a whole slew of bugs and glitches, I was present in alpha, technical test, beta, closed beta. And the game come out with, with some of them bugs still there. It'll be like, um, hello, what was the whole point of the beta? What was the whole point of the right. alpha? Especially when, you know, I'm gonna say it. You know, as even I'm a fan of Bethesda, I'm gonna say it. Like, on on that same note, Fallout seventy six. I played I played the betas, all their stupid time betas, and I took video. I submitted the video. I submitted. A description of what the bug is, what's happening, and the game comes out, and all that shit's still there. Like, what was the point of me helping you when you're not even doing anything about it? It's not like it's not like to say like one or two got fixed. I'm, I'm pretty sure I reported 
seven or eight things. The game comes out, all seven or eight things were still I'm in the game. No, man, that's that's a that's, lot that's, of that's The game coming out just less than a month after the beta, or maybe a month after the beta for most most games. Like Ghost Recon Beta was this month. Game comes out October fourth. But the thing is, if if people reporting these bugs, game comes out. There's no up. There's no day one update that fixes those bugs. Okay, cool. But in a week or two or three or four, you know, by a month at least, some of the original beta bugs should be gone. I mean, depending on the size, the size of you certain would bugs, so. yeah, sure, it might take longer to fix it. But like, then if they're going to release a beta a month before. And and not have any kind of fixes within the first two weeks of the game being out. Don't call it a beta. Call it a demo. Games are doing all right. Stress test, technical test, right in alpha, and then they do they they put another alpha out, another test, technical test, and then they put a closed beta and then an open beta. Well, if you do all that, because usually that's happened for months before the game comes out. Alpha does be. For, like clear like four or five months before a game comes out technical tests be like at least like three you know they want to see what will happen with all these people get on at the same time closed beta is usually like a month at least like a month out and and then open beta is usually be within that month like or a couple of weeks maybe to the week before the game release so if you're going to do all that at least i'll say i'll, I'll give you like a month after the game release, those those bugs should be addressed. Because almost almost feel like the most important you telling me give you yeah. feedback when I when I take part participate in these things. You tell me to give you feedback because if people enjoy it, they're not going most most people are not going to go and say anything. But people who all right, maybe they enjoyed it, but certain things turn them off. They will go and report that thing, hoping that when the game comes out. That won't be there until so they'll be able to enjoy it more. And it's not like the bugs I reported were like it was an uncommon bug. Some a lot of the bugs I reported, there were other people reporting it. So I didn't just make a new post with that bug. I also went and shared my links to on other people's bug reports of that same bug. So it's like, okay, it's not one person having it, it's not two, it's not three. You know, it's hundreds of people telling you. When we're running, we're just hitting a brick wall like we're getting hit. And then, uh, what, eight months after the game's out, that still happens? That's crazy. <laughs> You're not listening. Oh, yeah. Talk about yeah. Uh, Iceborne so, next time. You know. Yeah. And before we go, I was sort of, um, this little thing called, like, what 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 would what game would you consider to be a slept on game? Doesn't have to be doesn't have to be brand new, doesn't have to be a, a antique, just like a game a game not necessarily a series, but just like a single game that you think is slept on that people should should play. Or give a chance. I'll put me on the spot, but the thing is I don't really know how many people are fans of like I don't know because I'm not really within the uh, RTS community, but I would say for me, I I I don't know anyone who plays Rise of Nations or who played it. It's an older game. Rise of Nations or RTS, 
you know, kind of like a, think of civilizations, but like real time or Age of Empires, but like from Stone Age to modern. Yeah, it's, it's an RTS. So I don't since I don't know anyone who's ever played it. I'll say that I was probably slept on. But then again, I'm not within those type of communities, so maybe it really isn't. So that's my game for this week. Rise of Nations. I mean, I mean, when I say slept on, I'm more talking more, more on the lines, like, there's some games yeah. that I just, so this game, you know, everyone knows them, kind of like the FIFAs and the, and the, yeah. Even the if Final Fantasies, like those game, games, heard. everyone just... I don't think people like pop culture at this point. Rise of Nations. I I think it was a a good game for the time that came out. For me, I would say it's it's more of a a near shape. Probably came out twenty sixteen time range, but it's um it's Dead Cells. It's out now on pretty much everything. I think it's not even it's even on mobile, but it's a. Uh, it's like a metro. It's a Metroidvania with some with roguelike elements. Uh, to me, that's a softer game. It's an indie game, but these dudes have been um, giving free updates for that game since it came out. I got it on the Switch, and just recently, the who's the who's the boss update just came out. It adds new, you know, new content, new weapons, new gear, all that stuff, but. One thing I really like about about um, this game is when they release their patch notes, they they tell you like what's new, what's a bug fix, and also what's what's from community feedback. Like if if they fixed um, how a certain item interacts, it literally says community feedback. We did this, 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 this. So you know they're listening to the community. It's not just like, well, we we know what's best for our game. Like, here we go. Not even just community feedback. Um, community suggestions too. Like one of one of the new things in the patches, three new tactical mutations that people in the community suggested. I I find that pretty cool that they're giving this all for free. You know, if you're if you're a big fan of the game and you're on their forums or whatever subreddit, and you have a cool idea, it just might be in the game. But overall, the game is. Is is really fun. Lots of lots of hours could be wasted, not wasted, but spent in it. Cause there is every every time you die, you start you pretty much start from the beginning. But there's just so many different items that you know. You, there's so many different builds. You're not gonna get the same items you got the last time. So it's just it's just so much uh, variabilities in the game. And I don't know. It's, it's, to me, it's a really a really great game that more people should know about. To give that studio more money, because again, it's a it's a smaller indie studio, and the game's like what twenty bucks, even probably even less on sale all the time. So it's one of those studios that I feel like definitely deserves support and praise for the game they put out. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's a lot of a lot of community suggestions in this patch note. That's that's pretty cool. But yeah, so we'll. We'll end it for we're ending here for now. You know, next week most likely we talk about Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, uh, maybe Borderlands Three. I'll see. All right, see you later. All right, so I'm Nerd. And I'm Trinity. And we're the BA testers, and catch you next week.